Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports, local leader. sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Here is our daily run-through of the top stories of the day on the Burns and Gambo Show. We call it the 4 o'clock reset here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We start with the Suns. Last night, they won their fourth straight game, and this recent burst of momentum has carried them up to the seventh seed in the West. They're actually tied for the sixth seed right now in the West, and the team that they're tied with, they are playing tomorrow in the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. And despite things seeming dark not that long ago, Cam Johnson said there was never any dark in that Suns' Locker room. That's you guys talking. The NBA, you weather storms. It's life. You weather storms. Um, things don't always go our way. We've found that out over the past couple of years, and I don't mean you tuck tail and run and sell the farm and hide away forever. We just keep going, stick with what we do. Like I said, we have a lot of confidence in our group and the guys that we rolled out there, top to bottom. And it's not it's not saying that we've, we've done anything yet. We're still fighting our way, you know, through the Western Conference, through the league, and we still have so much more to do. So it's not like we're, we're even, you know, oh, look, we can do it. No, we're, we're still going to keep our foot on the gas and, and try to carve out some wins. One thing is obvious, Gambo, having Cam Johnson back out there on the court really opens things uh, up for a lot of different guys. He was sensational in that first quarter. I mean, just that. And they kept looking for him with those three, uh, the four three-pointers and a couple of jumpers. And, you know, he had an incredible first quarter. The Suns were up 36-15. to 15. They eventually built a lead to 30 points. Hornets made a game of it. They got back in it with the run, but the Suns responded. What matters is the Suns responded. They put the game away in the third quarter. That's what Cam's talking about. you got to weather storms. Storms come in the NBA, or even bad teams find a way to make a run. Next up for the Suns, the Mavs tomorrow, and again, tied for sixth right now in the Western Conference, moving all the way up from, what was it, 12th, just about a week ago or so. In the meantime, according to multiple reports and confirmed by us at Arizona Sports, billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia's purchase of a majority stake of the Suns is expected to become official in the next two weeks. He will reportedly assume control prior to the NBA trade deadline. We just had James Jones on the show a moment ago, and we asked him if the sale has been pushed faster to get Ishbia in before the trade deadline. No, I mean, I think uh, that's just beneficial for us. I mean, I think everyone involved will want that to be finalized by then, but it's the process that the NBA uh, oversees. But, yeah, I think um, if I were buying a team, especially a team like this, and, and given where we are, I'd be excited about being on board before the trade deadline. Made it sound like, Gambo, all they've had at this point are very macro-level, 30,000-feet, big picture kind of conversations about the Suns and nothing too specific right. in terms of how this is going to work or what this is going to look like. Right, and I expect again, I, I expect that Matt's going to lend a lot of support to James and Monty and the coaching staff and the players, um, but I do expect that there will be clarity you know, once they're able to have those discussions on what the budget's going to be and, and, and how how far James Jones can stretch that budget. Yeah, and that was something else he mentioned too, and a word he specifically used was clarity. And I would have to imagine the events over the last year year have left things very unclear when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. How much that has to do with where they sit, where they stand in the trade deadline, things like that, I don't know. 
but certainly you can understand why there would be a lack of clarity. In the NFL, the coaching interview carousel drags on. No team has hired anybody yet. Reportedly, tomorrow is Sean Payton's day with the Arizona Cardinals, but this is Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network who said, I'm just not sure if there's a place for Sean Payton in this cycle. When this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then the coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point. If you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those places. So what am I saying, Mike Garofolo? I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see, but it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now. Fascinating. I I mean, what were the odds on that three weeks ago? What were the odds on that after on Black Monday that Sean Payton wasn't going to get a job? Yeah, he wants a job. Uh-huh. He yeah. wants a job. Make no mistake of it. He wants a job. And the fact that nobody's hiring him, I, again, I think the landscape has changed. I think there are a lot of teams that are very reluctant to give up that compensation that they want. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out. I still in my body, I still think that somehow he's going to get one of these jobs. I think so, too. But it might be that he overplayed his hand a little bit. And it might be that the compensation now goes down to get him, both in terms of how much you're paying him and how much you're giving up to the Saints, because it does feel like he might have overplayed his hand a little bit in terms of what he was asking for and what they were asking for. Now, none of these five teams have yet to make a head coach hire. We are still waiting. Now, there's some reports today that suggest the Broncos could be the first team to make a choice, maybe even as early as today, but here we are. It's 4.07, and it hasn't happened yet. They were very impressed by 49ers D.C. D'Amico Ryans. There's a lot of buzz that maybe Stanford coach David Shaw has emerged as a viable candidate, maybe the leader in the clubhouse. Dan Quinn is also interviewed for that job, but then reportedly, Dan Quinn was in town last night and today to have his second interview with the Cardinals. You brought a story to the table from Bleacher Report in which they think Frank Reich should be the choice of the Cardinals. Three days ago, we were talking about Brian Flores. Here we are, Gambo, and it still seems like we're no closer to the answer of the question who the next coach of the Cardinals is going to be. Yeah, maybe they can't decide. They say, you know what, Sean Payton would have cost, you know, 20. I could probably split it up and give each you guys seven and we'll be good. So we'll hire all three of you guys to be the head coach. Well, that's not going to happen, but over the last three or four days, it has been, okay, it's going to be Reich, it's going to be Quinn, it's going to be Flores. I mean, at some point, we've kind of thought that all three of those guys were the favorite for the job. Yeah. Other coaching news. Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore expected to get a second interview in Carolina. Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich also expected to get a second interview if they haven't gotten one already. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that the Colts might end up going with Jeff Saturday when it's all said and done as their head coach, despite the fact that they've interviewed 13, 14 different people. And then the Texans announced that they've completed additional second interviews with Broncos DC is zero. Avero and Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Interesting, yeah. Moore has completed this second interview with the Panthers, so now Reich has had two interviews with them. Wilkes has had two interviews with them, and Moore has had two interviews with them. So you got to get to the point where I I can't imagine that. I mean, I think the first domino is going to fall by Friday. I really do. I can't imagine that this drags out any further. And I don't think that it's like, you'll wait till the AFC and NFC championship games. You want to get your coach hired and you want to get on with it. News from the NBA after missing two months due to a big toe injury. A team in the West is getting a big, big piece back. Brandon Ingram will return tonight against the Timberwolves and New Orleans Pelicans forward Zion Williamson. He's been out since January 2nd, is progressing with his rehabilitation. We're going to talk more about this at the bottom of the hour, Gambo. Kind of take a look around the West, but obviously the Pelicans starting to get guys back. 
That is something to monitor. Yeah, Ingram has only played in 15 games this season, but when he plays, he's really good. We saw that last year firsthand in the playoffs when they played the Suns. Another historic feat for LeBron James, 46 last night in the loss to the Clippers. The first player in NBA history to score 40 against all 30 franchises, but they lost to the Clips. The good news for the Lakers, Anthony Davis set to rejoin the Lakers Wednesday against the Spurs. Bad news for the Milwaukee Bucks, Bobby Portis out at least two weeks with an MCL strain. Listen, there's a lot, of, the, there's a lot of reports out there that the that the uh, Bucks have a standing offer to get Jay Crowder, and they may do that. They may have that, but I don't think there's anything on that roster that the Suns are too excited about. So I don't think a trade with Milwaukee would happen. I don't expect that to happen, but I would believe that Milwaukee does want Jay Crowder. Meanwhile, Jay Reese Familia, the relief pitcher, according to reports, has signed a minor league deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Gambo as they continue to he was, try to bolster that sagging bullpen from a year ago. He was really good with the Mets a few years ago. Really good with the Mets. But, you know, he's had you know some struggles the last couple of years. He's been terrible last year with Philly and Boston. Uh, but there was a time with the Mets when he was he was pretty good and um, they, they you know they liked him and he was solid for them. But uh, we'll see if he can get some of that some of that uh, stuff back because at one time he was a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, his last sub six ERA season came in 2021 with the Mets. He was 394. The year before that he was 371 ERA with the New York Mets. He is going into his age 33 season. And yeah, last year split time with the Phillies and with Boston and in both of those stops he had an ERA over six. And the Coyotes last night, losers at home to the Ducks by a score of Five to two, Gambo. Yes, and our old uh, friend Rick Tockett got his first win with the uh, with the Canucks. Congratulations last night! To Congratulations talk. to yeah, Talk good for him. Yeah, got good his first win, got his first win with the Canucks last night. Good for him. Happy for Talk. Always root for good things to happen. Yep, to him. Nickelback is heading out on the Get Rolling tour. It's coming to the Footprint Center on July twelfth. Tickets go on sale this Friday at ten a.m. But you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page at Arizona Sports. He was a key cog in their 2021 finals run until he went down with an ACL injury. And now this member of the Suns maybe has turned a corner. Can he help down the stretch? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Up the floor with 4.45 left in the third. Gets a pick from Biombo. Swings to Sharks. He wants a three. Give it to him. Dario lights it up. Two for three for him from deep tonight. Yeah, Dario. There's my guy, Gambo. That's your guy. guy. He's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. Finding his footing. Most unathletic player in the NBA. He is back. He probably is one of the most unathletic players in the NBA. It's true. and that's maybe true. that's why I like him so much. I yeah. feel like he's a representation of what I would be out there right, on the basketball exactly. You guys floor. can relate. You're unathletic. He's unathletic. You know, you've had success. He's he had, had success. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. There's a, there's a little clumsiness. There's a little awkwardness. But at the end of the day, he's absolutely out there busting his ass trying to get yeah. it done. I can't really run. You know, he can't really run yeah. very good. And can't really jump. Can't he really tried to jump, jump last very night. High and Monty was making the joke that they moved the rim on him, you know, when he was trying to dunk. Arms, yeah, are, kind of, arms are kind of short. A little bit more of a wide body. He uses his uh-huh. ass a lot more yeah. than anything else. 
You know what's the best attribute of Dario? So he's got a big ass. He's got a big ass. Yeah, he does. He blocks people out with it. You can block people out with that uh, with a butt that big for sure. Monty, after the game, Dario, 19 points, 8 rebounds last night. Here's what Monty had to say. He's starting to get back to that kind of, you know, reckless, somewhat chaotic style that he can play, but he can do it under control. He just looks like a warrior out there when he's knocking down threes, attacking the paint, finding guys, setting screens. You know, we try not to put a boundary around his creativity, and um, I'm hopeful that he can just keep progressing because I think we can, you know, use him as a weapon, especially when teams go big against us. We feel like his shooting... Um, his defense, his creativity is going to be a weapon for us. He seems to be Gambo, yet another player, and we've talked about a lot of them over the last couple of weeks and during this four-game win streak, whether it's, you know, let's have the Josh Okogie conversation, let's have the Jock Lendale conversation, let's have the Bismack Biombo conversation. These role players have each kind of had their moments over the last two to three weeks or so. What any of it means for the big picture, I don't know, because right now the Suns are just kind of in survival mode with what they've got. But but Dario kind of turning this corner. It took him a while, right? I mean, he blew his knee out in NBA June finals. of 2021. In yeah, the finals. A mm-hmm. year and a half. It took him a while to get his stuff back. The question is, how much can he help them going forward? Yeah, you know, there was a play last night. I don't know if you're going to remember this play. But there was a play where he was kind of at the top of the key. And there was a pass made to him. And he made it like a no-look blind pass right to Jock Landell under the basket. Now, Landale missed the shot. It was like almost like a surprise. I can't believe he just passed me that ball. It was like Dario wasn't even looking, and he caught the ball. And you remember that play, Eric? The incredible play, like a Jokic pass. It was like a no look. It was like, yeah, not even looking at you. And I'm gonna. The ball left his hands within about an eighth of a second. It's almost like he didn't even touch it, and he just kind of pushed it. And it was an incredible play. But that's what Dario brings. He's got really good court vision. He's a good passer. He's a good playmaker. He could shoot the ball a little bit. You know, he's gonna battle around the basket. So there's there is a lot to like about his game. But you said it. He's taken. He took a long time. Coming back from an ACL injury toward in the NBA Finals 2021, you know, and here we are a year and a half later, a year and a half later, and he's just start. It just seems like now he's starting to be able to play the way he used to. Gerald Bourget from PHNX Sports kind of ran the numbers. You take the first, like, 19 games, or the first two and a half months. Let me make sure I say this right. For the first two and a half months of the season, so October, November, almost all of December, he was only he only played in 19 games. He only averaged about 10 and a half minutes per night. He was being used very, very sparingly. And every time he was out there, it seemed like even more plodding than it normally is, even slower than it normally is. But slowly and surely, he kind of got his is wind back and got back into that kind of basketball shape. January, Dario Saric in 11 games so far, and again, this is Gerald running these numbers here. In January, he's averaging about 19 minutes per game. He's averaging about 9 points per game. He's shooting nearly 55% from the floor. He's shooting 46% from the three-point line. How much of that sustainable? I don't know. The, the thing I wonder about Dario is that Eventually, at some point, 
They're going to trade Jay Crowder. Are they going to bring in somebody who plays Dario's position? It's a possibility. I don't know. Cam Johnson's minute restriction is going to be lifted. He's going to get more minutes. Does that cut into Dario's time? Probably. I mean, that's just probably what's going to happen. But that doesn't diminish what guys like Dario are doing right now or what guys like Saban Lee are doing right now. You need guys who can play, who can keep you in this so when you get dudes back, you can make that push. And if that's the role that Dario is supposed to play this year, as a Dario fan, I'm all for it. Even if he doesn't play any minutes at all in the postseason, I don't care because he needs to be there to steady the ship while they're missing all these guys. He is also, like Jay Crowder, an expiring contract. Now, if you had a team that wasn't going anywhere, he could be a nice trade ship for a team that wants expiring contracts. Um, But... You know, he's a valuable piece now with his ability to play small ball five. Certain matchups really favor him. And then something, and you know, you pointed out today, I thought it was very fascinating, um, the, 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 when him and, and Jacques Landale are on the court together, not that it's magic, but it's, it's a lot better than when he plays with anyone else. Yeah, the net rating for Dario Saric when he's next to Bismack Biombo, it's like a minus 17. When he's next to DeAndre Ayton, it's a minus 10. But when he's next to Jock Landale, he's plus nearly 11 when those two guys are on the floor together. And in some ways, I think it's because they're the same player. Ayton's not really a pick-and-pop guy who's going to go out to the three-point line and take a shot. Bismack Biombo is definitely not a pick-and-pop guy who's going to go out to the three-point line and take a shot. Jock Landale and Dario are kind of two peas in the same pod. They've got a similar style game, and I think that makes guarding them when they're both on the floor different, or difficult to a certain extent. Now, Ken, all of this changes when Aiton comes back. All of this, they'll, they'll settle back into a normal rhythm and routine. I'm sure Aiton will get his 32 minutes a night, and Dario's time will get cut back. But it's been, it's you've said this many, many times, for all the people clamoring for the Suns to make some sort of a move, they've got guys on the bench that have, it took a while, but have contributed enough to keep them afloat during this time. It didn't mean they had to go make a move necessarily. No, and everybody wanted them to, but James Jones knew what he was doing, and I know you know some people didn't want to trust in him, but he knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to get all these players back. They weren't, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to re- to replace somebody that was out for the season, and you know, you didn't. He didn't have that. So, you know, what he, he felt in many ways that what he did in the off season, getting a Koji, getting Landau, getting Damian Lee. Having Biombo come back, bringing Biombo back, getting Dario healthy. Like, there wasn't, like, going to get Carmelo Anthony wasn't going to make a difference. It really it wasn't. The players that are available that haven't played all year are not going to be better. And I've said this several times. I'll continue saying it. They're not going to be better than the guys that they have. They're not going to find a guy sitting at home right now that's going to give them more than what Josh Okoji gives them. So James yeah. knew what he was doing. He's got players that are playing very well. Now, when you ask those players to have to play in place of five guys, okay, you're asking a lot. They're not going to win a lot of basketball games. Get a couple of those guys back? Yeah, they're going to win. They got Kristen Cam back. They still don't have campaign back. They don't have DeAndre back. They don't have Booker back. But they've won four games in a row because at least they got a couple of those guys back where you don't have to ask those bench guys to play 32 minutes a, a, a game. Dario is one of those guys, and you mentioned this a second ago, you do have to wonder if he's going to be on this team two weeks from tomorrow when the trade deadline comes because of that expiring contract, because of the ability... I think he will. To pair him with Jay and maybe get a bigger salary coming back, depending on how deep into that luxury tax new owner Matt Ishbia wants to go. I think he probably will too, but I wouldn't 
rule it out. And certainly, you know, two expiring contracts that equal to about $20 million, you could potentially bring back a big fish or a bigger fish with that kind of money if you were willing to dangle it. It just depends on what else you needed to attach to it to make the team want to do it. That's kind of the big question that's been plaguing right. the Suns for a while. Yeah, there's no question. We'll, we'll see. Dario's been a good player for them. They may look at him as a valuable role player and not want to move him. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You might be listening to it right now. Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. The Suns find themselves back in the pack when it comes to the race in the West. Who are the competitors in the West? What are they doing right now? We'll give you an update next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, happy Wednesday to you. Thanks for hanging out with us, as always, on Burns and Gambo. Uh, Gambo is back there in the Oxygen Community Studios, along with Mitch and Eric. I am working from home today, tested positive for COVID-19 last night. Mild symptoms, not that big of a deal, but like, uh, you know, a lot of workplaces in the Valley and around the country, there are certain protocols and things like that. So, But the show must go I'm on. At home. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the show, show must, must go, go on, on Gambo. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's yes. just we, we, we got a gig to play, mm-hmm. and and I'll just be from home. You're, you're this station's Patrick Mahomes. You're banged up. You're out. You're hurt, but you're playing. You're playing. I am yeah. Not the station's Patrick. You didn't Mahomes. rule yourself out. Uh, what? Who would I be on the Chiefs? I am the, the Chiefs. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Andy Reid. Am I in? No, I'm not Andy Reid. You're Andy Reid. Reed. Um, am I Andy Reid? Is that who I am? Playing through the pain, Gamble, but it's all right. It's exactly. not that much pain. It's a mild case, but we just got to just gotta be sure. So I'm at home, but you guys are back there in the Oxygen Community Studio. And that includes Eric, who's got an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Fire Rubes, what's shaking today? Well, we all know the goal for every team going into the beginning of a season is to win a championship, but expectations don't always align with a team's goals. Our question to you guys today is, are your expectations for the Suns this season still championship or bust? Yes. I loved. Or no. Sorry. No, my bad. So that's what that's what we lose when we're not all together because I didn't know you were done there. Yesterday, you've got like three no options. Right. right. So we have yes, which is just one option, but then no, where you can also put your expectations that you do have. So you have no, but they go deep as in win multiple rounds. No, but they win a series or no, but your expectation is they just make the playoffs. I like Gambo's moxie on this one. He has said yes. Championship or bust. Yep. I agree. Yeah, you won it two years ago. You were in the NBA Finals. Last year, you had the best record in the NBA. All your major pieces are back. Booker, Paul, Aiton, Mikhail, Cam. Um, yeah, some of the some of the other parts have changed. But no, it's got to be, you, you got to get to the mindset here in Arizona. Like, we expect a championship out of our team. Not, oh boy, I'll really be happy if they can win in the first round and get to the second round. No, that's not good enough. They need to win it all. All right, survey says? Survey says 45.6%, so less than 50% still have the expectations of championship or bust this season for the Suns. That means 55% said no. Here's how that breaks down, leading that significantly at 27.8% as they expect them to go deep, so not low expectations. 14.7% expect them just to win one series, and 11.9% just expect them to make the playoffs. All right, Gambo, you stop me 
when I say a team that you think the Suns cannot beat in a best-of-seven series in the NBA playoffs? Okay? okay? Stop me. Say, right there, stop. The Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Utah Jazz, the Dallas Mavericks, the L.A. Clippers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Denver Nuggets. Okay, the, te- the team that would come closest right now would be Denver. I the team agree. that I would say that I fear them, they're playing great basketball. Okay, they're playing great basketball. 17 and 3 in their last 20 games. So that team, now at times, you know, listen, I, I do want to see what the Clippers are going to do at the deadline. You know, they're very dangerous. Guys are coming back now. That's a big factor that, that teams are starting to get, you know, key players back. Um, you know, obviously, Memphis is going to get Danny Green back. The Pels are getting Brandon Ingram back. Um, so I, I, I think that they, I, I wouldn't say the Suns can't beat any of those teams. I think they can beat any of them. I don't fear anybody. There are bad matchups. We've seen Dallas and what a bad matchup Dallas is, but they're a different team this year than they were last year. I think the Suns are capable of beating all the, those teams. I don't fear any one of those teams in a seven game series. And for what it's worth, I went in for inverse order in the standings. So I, I started the conversation. I started the list of teams at the number 10 seed with the Golden State Warriors. And I went from 10, 9, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And so that was kind of the order I picked. I would agree the Denver Nuggets, to me, are the scariest team. They're the one that I think. And I'm not saying I'm picking the Suns to beat all of these teams. It's just the question is, are they capable of beating these teams? I think they are. I think, I think look, if the Suns were in the Eastern Conference, I think they'd be screwed. I, I really do. Because that, that is just so top-heavy with really elite basketball teams that might not have as good a record, say, as Memphis or Denver. Denver, but I think are going to be a tougher outcome playoff time. In the West, man, I think Memphis looks kind of like it could be a one-man show until proven otherwise. Those teams can be vulnerable. Sacramento Kings, I got some grief yesterday for saying I had no fear of Sacramento. Tyler Drake, one of our writers at ArizonaSports.com, sent me a text yesterday. He was not pleased with that line of conversation. Uh, wow, Pelicans, I know, right? Yeah, rash young reporters here. Well, I'm not I, pleased we, with your com- with your conversation. I mean, it was all done with a smiley face emoji, but it was yeah, very sure passive was. aggressive yeah. from Tyler. I could feel it, right? It was it was a little okay, young buck. I see you over there. I get it, you know, but I still don't believe in the Sacramento Kings. Um, the, now the Pelicans, okay, they've got all the talent in the world, and if they get everybody back healthy and they keep everybody back healthy, that's going to be a scary team. Zion's never played in a playoff game in his life. He's never played in a playoff game with Brandon Ingram, and it's, it's a different game, Gambo, and, and that's the experience factor. The Sun have, I think, gives them advantages over teams like the Pelicans, like the Kings, uh, like the Grizzlies, who never seem to make a real deep run in the playoffs. I mean, I think there's some baked-in advantages for the Suns. Yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know that these other teams are looking at the Suns and they, they, I don't think they fear the Suns. I think, you know, they look at the Suns as a team that is, you know, not a physical team, somewhat soft in many areas, a team that doesn't really get to the free-throw line at all, Um, you know, but it's just a good, solid team and that if you could take Chris Paul out of the game, you're going to win. If you could trap Booker and take him out. I don't think anybody fears the Suns. I think they, you know, DeAndre Ayton doesn't, you're not scared of DeAndre Ayton. You're just hoping that, you know, Book and Paul together 
there don't go off because when those two are really good, then the Suns are hard to beat. So I don't think anybody fears Phoenix, but I don't know that there's anybody in the West that is 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 to be feared right now. Maybe not. I, maybe I look at it a little bit differently. I we did this last year with the Suns when they were running away with the number one seed. We were closely monitoring the bottom of the West, and we didn't think the Suns had anything to worry about with New Orleans. We didn't really seem to care what was happening in the play-in tournament. I happen to believe that if the Suns do fall into the play-in tournament and do come out of the play-in tournament, that if I'm a one seed, if I'm a two seed, fear might be the wrong word, but I don't want anything to do with a playoff-tested Phoenix Suns team. I don't want anything to do with that group. I, I don't. That's that's a team that I would prefer to avoid if I were Denver, if I were Memphis. Now, do I go out of my way to avoid them? Do I deliberately rest guys? To Probably not. You know, you can kind of manipulate the standings to figure out what matchup you want, but I do think the Suns, if they get everybody back, and if everybody stays back, I think they're a team people are not going to want to see in the first round because of that experience and the talent that they've got. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being a homer here, but that's how I feel. Do you remember last year when we were kind of looking at it and trying to figure out, okay, you know, are you better off being the one, the two, the three? You know, where are you better off being based on who you're going to play? Like, you know, do you, let, you want to get to one because then you can play Dallas in the second round, you know? Yeah. And it backfired. I don't look at the. I don't look at this year. I'm not. I'm telling you right now. I'm not going to look at the standings and play that game this year. I'm not going to look at the standings and what are you better off? Who do you want to avoid? Whoever you play, you play. I don't think any of these teams are superstar teams. I think there are a lot of good teams. Um, they're capable of beating the Suns. The Suns are capable of beating them. But if I told you right now, Golden State of the Clippers, which one do you want? I would rather have the. Golden State, probably. I mean, barely, or um, I would say, I look. I, I'm a big believer in the Clippers, so I would say borderline definitively. I would rather have Golden State, Dallas or New would Orleans, you? Dallas or New Orleans. I, you know what? I'd honestly rather have Dallas. I really wow. would. Okay, all right, because that's I'd a Luca problem. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that I don't think that I'm going to sit there and try to look at the matchups and say, "Oh, you got to avoid this team. You got to avoid this that team." I just we'll let the chips fall where they may. Play whoever you're going to play because that that game backfired on us last year when everybody wanted the Mavs in the second round. Yeah, I might very much regret saying both of those things, and I reserve the right to change my mind. But I will say, no, we already got it on right. tape. Yeah, maybe, yeah well, maybe. it's on tape, but we're we're allowed to change yeah. our mind. That's one of the rules of the Burns and Gambo show. Uh, the Nuggets have won seven. 17 of their last 20. You mentioned that. Danny Green, you mentioned he plans to return from knee injury. I think one of the ones to keep an eye on, in addition to Brandon Ingram coming back for the Pelicans and maybe making his debut tonight, is, and I hate to say it, it's Anthony Davis and the Lakers. He's reportedly close. Now, how long is he going to stay back? That is always a mystery when it comes to the Lakers and Anthony Davis. I don't know how long he'll last his whole run is just checkered and littered with injuries. If he can stay healthy, can the Lakers become enough of a threat that you're competing with them at the bottom of these Western Conference standings? It's certainly something to keep an eye on. He, When he went down with that injury, he was playing great. Like, he was playing great. 27.4 points a game, a career-high 12.1 rebounds, shooting a career-best 59.4% from the field. Uh, he was really good. They went 10-10 and without him. Um, they, you know, they and they made the trade for Rui Hachimura, so we'll see how that works out for them. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe they could be a scary team. I mean, it's possible uh, if Davis is healthy that if he's healthy and with LeBron and if Westbrook's playing better off the bench, yes, they could be dangerous. Yeah, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins sounds easy, sounds like a plan I think a lot of Cardinals fans endorse. 
It might not be that easy. And we'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Exactly what the Cardinals fans' expectations were for DeAndre Hopkins' trade, Gambo. I wasn't all that freaked out when I read Albert Breer's words that he wrote about DeAndre Hopkins today on SportsIllustrated.com. It, it actually makes a lot of sense to me. I, I I don't know what I don't know. If fans were expecting a first round pick. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, if never, fans, I never was. I wasn't either. I, was I wasn't either. A second round pick. Yeah, which is a which is a day two pick, right? Day one is yeah. the first round. Yeah. Day two is a second or a third sure. round pick. Give me a second round pick. I'll be very happy with that. Albert Breer did a mailbag today, NFL insider for Monday Morning Quarterback and Sports Illustrated. And I'll go through the reasons in a minute. You've got mail. But he writes, at, I'm sorry? You've got mail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Add it all up, he writes, and I think it's going to be hard for Austin Fort to get great value for Hopkins. Maybe even to the point where keeping him is a better idea than dealing him. As it stands right now, if I had to ballpark it, I would say a day two pick would be what Arizona would get in return in a trade. Okay, fine. So, sounds about right to me. Yeah, what's, you know? what's wrong with that? I, nothing. Nothing. I, I, uh, is the expectation a first? No. Is the expectation multiple day two picks, a second and a third? No, you I kill mean, two birds with one stone. You get off of some salary. You know, you get off of some salary. That's real money that you don't have to pay. It's real money. Forget about the cap for a second, but that's real money. And as we know, there are two different budgets. There's a cap budget and there's a real money budget. Well, if you don't have to pay that money to hop, you only have to eat cap money. There is real money that you will have in your budget to spend that wasn't there before. That's one. Number two, he, you know, he's three years older than when you traded for him, and he's missed a lot of games. Like, yeah, you know, he's yeah. missed a lot of football games. Yeah, that's and that's one of the big reasons why it was a mailbag that he did. Like you said, you've got mail. And the question from one of his listeners or readers, what is DeAndre Hopkins' realistic trade value? And he said there's a lot of things to consider. And you just mentioned a, cu- a couple of them. Number one, he's hurt a lot. Over the last two seasons, he's played in 19 of the 34 games available. Now, of course, some of that is suspension, too. But a lot of that is injuries. The big thing that he brought up, that I, when you put it in context, you go, eh, okay, he's going to be 31 years old on opening day. Now, on the surface, he writes, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But that's how old A.J. Green was when he went from Cincinnati to Arizona. And he had a good season his first year, but he hit a wall the second year. Julio Jones was 31 his last season in Atlanta. Injuries started to take their toll. I didn't think of D-Hop, and I don't know why, Gambo, I didn't think of him as an old receiver or an older receiver. I, I, I thought there was still a couple of years left, but when compared to those two guys and kind of the wall they hit around a similar age, I wonder if I need to rethink the age thing with D-Hop a little bit. I would say no, because you, you know part of the benefit of missing all of those games is keeping your body healthy. Okay, not having the wear and tear. So part of the, oh my God, he's missed so many games over the last couple of years. Well, the benefit is that is he didn't play in those games. So there's a positive, it is a negative to it. But look, here's the thing you got to look at. I mean, if you just project what he would have done in a full season, I mean, he had 64 catches for 717 yards and three touchdowns in just nine games. You're talking about... 115 to 120 receptions for 1,300 to 1,400 yards, if I did the math right. 
I mean, mm-hmm. in a full season, he would have had somewhere in the 115 to 120 range in receptions and somewhere around 1,300 to 1,400 yards. Like, I'd have to do the math and, and add eight more games on and figure it out. But just double those numbers. If you just double them, 64 receptions is 128. It's not going to be doubled. It's going to be a little bit less because it's eight games instead of nine. So you take a little bit off. I mean, that's an incredible year. Like, he would have had yes. an incredible year. He's a great player. He's still a great player. And that factors in not only the games he missed because of the suspension, but that also factors in the fact that the last, what, two, three games of the season, the last time he played for the Cardinals was Christmas Day against the Bucs. He had one catch for four yards. After that, they shut him down or he shut him down, depending on whatever happened behind the scenes. He didn't play the rest of the year. And so had he had the Cardinals, I guarantee you if the Cardinals had been fighting for a playoff spot, DeAndre Hopkins would have played and he would have been out there and he would have been producing and having numbers. So um, I'm I'm a little worried about the age thing. I, I think a lot of it is going to come down to money, like it usually does. He's got a no-trade clause, so he can hold teams hostages to a certain extent. He's his own agent. He serves as his own negotiator. That's going to play a role in this. He doesn't have a dime of guaranteed money left on his deal. It's all the kind of stuff that you could cut him, and and that's it. You wouldn't owe him anything. So I would imagine to waive his no trade and go somewhere, he's going to want to use that as leverage to get a ripped-up deal and get a new one that gives him some guaranteed money. I have to think that's going to be part of this. Then the question is, how much guaranteed money does he get from his new team, and is there a sticking point with that? There's a, it's a lot of complicated things going on when it comes to D-Hop and him getting traded. Yeah, there there is, but the bottom line is, you know, we, we've how many times we've seen it? How many teams need a, a great wide receiver? Receiver. Oh yeah! I mean, how oh, yeah. many? There's just ten to fifteen teams out there that are like, man, I'd love if I had D Hop. That would change everything. We we talked about the New England Patriots. We talked about the Browns with Deshaun Watson. We've talked about he likes Jacksonville and the Chargers. I mean, go just start go through it. I mean, how many teams could use a bona fide number one wide receiver? He's still a number one wide receiver, not a two. Uh, so I I think that the market is going to be robust for him. I mean, you know, maybe somebody would give you a late first round pick. I'm not going to count on it, but I'd be shocked if somebody didn't want to give you a second and then figure out the money, especially a team that has cap space. The other thing to consider, and we've talked about this before, look at A.J. Brown in Philadelphia. Look at Tyreek Hill in Miami, right? Look at teams that went out and took that big swing for a wide receiver, and it paid dividends for them. Now, it didn't pay dividends for the Cardinals with Hollywood Brown, obviously. That was kind of complicated. And the other thing to consider, too, and never forget this, there were reports in and around the trade deadline that teams were calling Steve Kime about DeAndre Hopkins then, that a bunch of teams were calling Steve Kime about DeAndre Hopkins then. I, I you know, has anything really changed since then other than he's four months older? No, I don't really think that much has changed. I think the Cardinals will be fine. They'll get a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe something else, but I think they'll get a second round pick. Yeah, and, and I don't think more than happy to do it. You know, you think maybe, okay, if there was any way Michael would have stepped in and said, you know, don't make any big trades or anything like that. I doubt it. You know, I doubt because at that time, he was there was still time to kind of fix it, right? That's when he went out and they got Robbie Anderson. And there was still time to fix what was wrong for the Cardinals at that point. Um, but now I would think if I'm Michael Bidwell, I mean, that's, you know, we, we've talked about this too. I mean, is he going to instruct his GM to trade DeAndre Hopkins? He might. Yeah, you might. We're less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports all want you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th, and you could score a pair of tickets to go to the Super Bowl. Plus, you will also win tickets to the following big-time events here in town. FanDuel Party. 
the Bud Light Music Fest, the Super Bowl experience. Again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. The big story of the day from the Suns isn't the win last night against the Hornets. It's Matt Ishbia expected to acquire the franchise officially ahead of the NBA trade deadline. What impact will that have on the organization? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.